for those who um, are able and faithful to come to the Sunday evening service, you'll notice I'm backtracking a little bit. Because this is probably my favorite passage of scripture. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do that. I'm in a very dangerous place. I think my glasses laying over there. Oh, here they are. This is going to be an extended release. <laughs> sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Heavenly Father, we do pray you be blessed for understanding this reading of your infallible, inerrant word, and our understanding of it as it is read and expounded, and as it is expounded, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday night, I preached on verses 1 through 8, uh, and we, we looked at this incredible um, artistic arrangement of this passage of Scripture and most of the Bible scholars believe that it was a hymn of the early church. Uh, um, we don't know what kind of musical arrangement it had, but it's obviously a hymn written in the classic poetic style of the culture of that time and of the scriptures. Uh, one of the, one of the um, great... Uh, poetic devices of scripture throughout scripture is a chiastic arrangement, which is a, the chi is the Greek uh, X. Um, it, it has a CH sound. It's, it's the first letter of the word Christ. 
And so it's an appropriate acrostic to look, look at in terms of uh, centering our understanding on the Word of God. And it begins uh, with uh, a, a, a chiastic arrangement in verses 1 through 4 that talk, talks about uh, uh, the Lord's humility and our humility and, and how it has this wonderful parallel uh, structure. And it, the whole verses 1 through 11 is this wonderful arrangement which begins uh, in the structure with showing us the depth of, of Christ's humiliation, how he set aside his heavenly privilege in order to become uh, a man, in order to uh, suffer as a servant, at, in order to uh, suffer uh, the punishment and the curse on the cross in order to achieve ultimate glory. And that's, that's the message of the scripture. It's the ultimate glory of God to exalt Christ, the eternal Son of God. Um, it is a theme that should run through our minds and our hearts constantly. And that's the Apostle Paul's purpose in, in uh, delivering this message to the Philippians. Again, Philippi is located in um, what is now um, Macedonia, I believe. And it is, uh, was then an incredible city founded by Philip, the father of we know the most famous, uh, his, more, his more famous son, Alexander the Great. It was a military community. Uh, many soldiers from Rome stationed there. The Apostle Paul, riding from prison in Rome, surrounded by Roman soldiers, writes back, and it's full of military terminology and examples that obviously filled the apostle's mind daily as he spent his days chained to Roman soldiers, no doubt engaging them in the gospel and drawing from them and the Holy Spirit using that experience to uh, write this incredible epistle of joy in the midst of the apostle's suffering, literally waiting a death sentence. Um, it's such an encouraging book as we as we examine it and think about it and meditate on it. So last Sunday we went from his humiliation and I stopped at Christ's exaltation in verse eight. But in order to understand how exalted Jesus is, that we need to understand. The, the point of what Jesus did. This is Paul's point here. The point of what he did was his own glory. So often when we come to uh, the gospel, we think about and we offer what, what, what the gospel can do for you. It can make you a better person. It can deliver you from addictions. It can do 
all sorts of wonderful things for your relationships and so forth and so on. And we read, we read the Bible like a how-to uh, book to have a successful life. preacher say recently at a conference that you know, we, we we tend to deliver TED Talks. You know what a TED Talk is? <laughs> These little how-to talks to make your life happy and successful. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to speak the truth of the gospel and the point of everything, the point of everything is the glory of God. And this is the apostles' emphasis. This is why he has come to the place he is in, and he is intent on imparting that truth about who Jesus is and what he has done for his own glory. And for the good of his people. Um, verses 5 through 8, they again speak of the humiliation of Christ. How he set aside, he emptied himself. To empty means he didn't, he didn't empty himself of his godhood. He, emptied, he laid aside the privileges of his godhood. There never was a time that Jesus was not divine. To say otherwise is... is Great, grave error comes from the devil himself. And the history of the church has been, been one of dealing with this error. He set it aside. He voluntarily laid aside the privileges of his deity in order to save a people for himself, in order to glorify himself. And he went to the depth. Of the cross. It's hard for us to understand how we, we exalt the cross in the church rightly so. We lift high the cross. We sing about lifting high the cross. But do you realize how bizarre that sounded to the first century Romans and Jews? Their famous poet Cicero said, Don't even look at a cross. No Roman citizen should ever look at a cross and the shame and the humiliation that comes from a cross. And here, in the, in, in, in the Hebrew scriptures, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that anyone hung on a cross was subject to a curse. The Apostle Paul repeats that in Galatians 3, verse 13. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The Lord Jesus endured the wrath and the curse of God on the cross. In the place of his people. And again, why? Indeed to save you from your sins. Indeed to save, save his people from their sins. But why? in order to bring to himself honor and glory. And that's where we pick up in verse 9. The exaltation of Christ. 
because of what he did, he brings ultimate glory to his name. Someone put it this way to me when I was in college, and this has been one of the most helpful things I have ever heard. Why, why did, did Jesus suffer and die the way he did? Why, why did he have to go through the, the painful, shameful humiliation of the cross? Why did he have to experience death and hell on the cross? And the answer, the only satisfying answer I've ever heard is that out of all the ways that an infinite, sovereign God could magnify and glorify himself, he chose the one way which would bring him ultimate glory and honor. Because he's God. That's why he did it. That's God's plan. That's his purpose in the gospel. That the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit will experience ultimate glory because of what Jesus would do. And because of what he did, because of his obedience to go to the cross, he receives ultimate honor and glory. God exalted him to the highest place possible. That's why the confession of faith that Jesus is Lord is absolutely essential for the Christian life. Well, are you preaching lordship salvation, preacher? Yes, I am. There is no other kind. There is an insidious heresy that has crept into the church. It's always been there. It's been there from the beginning. That you can separate your salvation from the Lordship of Christ. The, the church has catered to this in all kinds of ways. When I, when I was... In college, I'm very grateful for the ministry I was involved in in college, the parachurch ministry, and did a wonderful job of, of the leader of that ministry of discipling me and bringing me along in the faith. And, but there were some things, there were things in it that I look back now and I scratch my head. And, and one of the problems of those kind of ministries is they just give you a little pattern to follow, and you follow it. And if and, and if it's good, there could be a good outcome. And in spite of some bad things, good outcomes happen. So uh, never underestimate God's power to strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. He can do it. But one of the things in that ministry was it gave they, we had a little book, and it had had circles, you know, uh, representing lives. And one was a circle with a throne in the middle of it. And, uh, and then the cross outside the circle representing Jesus. And, and then all these little dots around it showing how out of control life was without, without Jesus. And that's certainly true. Without Christ on the throne of your life, your life is out of control. And then it had a, a second circle with 
Christ on the throne, and then everything is just in perfect harmony in, inside the life. I don't know that <laughs> I, I would have an argument with even that one, but that would be better because you're going to heaven and ultimately things will be reconciled, so that's not, not bad. But then there was a third circle with the throne and then the cross off the throne, but still in the life and everything in chaos in the life. And we, the idea was you read the book and show it to someone and says, which circle represents your life? And what I found in the South, the Deep South institution I was attending, and most people would pick the one with Jesus in the life and everything out of control. <laughs> Which one would you rather have? Well, I'd rather have that one. I would, I would rather have Jesus in my own way. And I thought about that a long time. That's the one. Yeah, isn't that our nature? You know, that the old hymn, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus and silver and gold, right? We want it all. It's not Christianity. It's blasphemy. It is a false teaching that is destroying the visible church. Jesus is Lord. And the only way that you can be saved is by acknowledging Him as Lord. That's the message from our text. God has highly exalted him, and he has bestowed on him the name that is above every name. No one ever says, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, no one ever says by the Spirit of God that Jesus is accursed. No one can say that. No one, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And unless you submit yourself to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and humble yourselves to put your confidence and your faith in Him alone, you're lost. Eternally lost. The message here is that everyone will ultimately worship Christ. Note, note it carefully, verse 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You go through the scriptures, you'll note that everyone and everything will ultimately worship Christ. 
the, the Psalms are full of examples of even the inanimate objects exalting Christ. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they were hailing him as Lord. And the Pharisees and the religious rulers were incensed and said, Tell your disciples to be quiet. And what did Jesus say in Luke 19? I tell you, if they are silent, they rocks will cry out. Every angel, every demon, every person, whether they are God's elect or not, will give homage to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Even, even now, the Bible says in James that even the demons believe and tremble at his name. Even when it, throughout the ministry of Jesus in his lifetime, he would confront demons. They would, they would hail him as the Son of God, the Son of Man. They knew who he was. They know who he is now. That's why when you, when you preach God's word and you tell the truth and when you tell them people straight up about him, you will always have a reaction. And sometimes that reaction will not be pleasant from our human standpoint. God's answer to the objections of the world God's answer to the, 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 the fact that the church is full of hypocrites, which is, the, which is every young believer's favorite, uh, favorite uh, objection to Christianity, by the way. God's answer is Jesus upon the cross who died in the place of sinners. And his resurrection from the dead and his exaltation to the right hand of the Father. Everything in God's creation, every person, everything he has created in the universe will give honor and praise and glory to God. Every one will worship Christ. Everyone will confess Christ. God's purpose in making the world, God's purpose in sustaining the world, God's purpose in ending this world is all the same. It is his praise, honor, and glory. We, we behold magnificent things in nature every day, don't we? Every time we get up and we see the sun come up, and we see it go down, we see it run its course, and we see the things that it does to the earth, the ground. We see, we see the, the uh, amazing uh, beauty of, of uh, when these, these flowers come up. Uh, in the spring, we see we see the, the the glory of His creation all all across the planet. We see it now in ways that no humans have ever been able to see it before. 
the bounty of the earth that just springs up. We, we recognize it and we depend on it for our lives. Again, what is it about? It is about the glory of God. The, uh, the apostle quotes here, Psalm, I mean, not, not Psalm, Isaiah 45, verse 23. Part of it. Let's go back to Isaiah 45 and read all of it. God says in Isaiah 45, verse 23, By myself I have sworn... From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear allegiance. His Lord. This is the Lord. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. What did Jesus say when he rose from the dead? He said, all, all authority has been given to me. Matthew 28, 18, if you want to look at it. All authority has been given to me. And there, all certainly means all. Everything belongs to Jesus. Therefore, you, disciples, you go make disciples. And you do it until I return. You make disciples. You baptize them. You teach them everything that I have commanded in, in my word. This is how you do it. And this is the purpose of everything we do, is to bring all praise and honor and glory to God. Is that the center of your life today? Is that the center of your, your being? Is that what preoccupies you day and night? Is that the focus of your being? If not, I would ask you to question yourself. Have you truly bowed your knees to Jesus Christ as Lord? Have you called out to him for forgiveness? Have you called out to him because he alone is the one who can be your substitute to take away your sin and your shame and your humiliation and the eternal destruction and hell that you deserve. Have you submitted to him? I urge you, if you have not, to do so even now. Let us pray. Father, you know all of our hearts here, all of our minds. You know how many ways we constantly are distracted and turned away from you so easily we we our minds run to this world and the frivolous things in this world and 
how quickly we forget that you are sovereign over every bit of it. Father, change our, our focus from ourself and our concerns to you and to your honor and glory. As we, as we go through life, as we experience trials and difficulty, and we're worn down by, by just the process of life and the judgment that we have earned for our rebellion, may we know your grace and mercy and forgiveness. And Father, may it transform us from despondency and depression. May it transform us from living frivolous life, lives with our only focus on ourselves. May it change us to put our faith and trust constantly and continually in you. And may we be filled with joy unspeakable as a result. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.